The following presentation was recorded live at the 2014 National Bioneers Conference. To learn more about Bioneers programs and media products, visit www.bioneers.org. Good afternoon, Bioneers. Um, my name is Marielle Nanassi. And for about 15 years or so, my husband and I have had the immense fortune and privilege to be part of a larger family, um, a family that has extended a, a, across the ocean to El Salvador. And um, therein lies a rural movement um, in the lower Lempa region of El Salvador called La Coordinadora, the Coordinated Communities. And they have been leading the way. Community-based disaster preparedness committees, climate-adapted diversified agriculture, community-protected coastal forests, ecosystem restoration, ongoing youth engagement and leadership development, these are the stepping stones toward a more resilient future. Along the way, La Coordinadora has built a grassroots movement for democracy that has brought their leadership into political power and allows for many of their innovations to become national policy. I want to introduce the people on this panel, and then we're going to um, be lucky enough to have a clip from the companion. Um, many of you know that Naomi Klein has a book called This Changes Everything, which I encourage all of you to read. Um, and yeah, um, and her husband, Avi Lewis, who's here with us today, has made a movie that's the companion film to that book. Um, to reach even larger audiences. So I want to introduce who's on the panel, and then we get to see a clip of that movie, and then we're going to have a discussion amongst us and um, with all of you. Yes, please come in and, and sit down. So first I'm going to start with Carola Aparicio. Um, and the La Coordinadora has a sister organization here, based here actually in, Santa, in San Francisco. I was about to say Santa Fe, that's where I'm from. Um, in, in, in Oakland, okay, in Oakland. And, uh, sorry. <laughs> yay Oakland! Okay, yay Oakland. Um, so Echo Viva is the, sister, is the sister organization to La Coordinadora in the United States. And we channel funding and technical assistance, engaging in policy advocacy to support and amplify the grassroots movement for climate resilience in El Salvador. Carolo Aparicio is the executive director of Echo Viva. And I want to tell you that I think he's one of the most warm, and sincere and dedicated people, and we are just grateful to have him be the executive director of Echo Vivo. Um, yeah, let's give him a hand. Um, the person to his right is Estella Hernandez. She is currently a congresswoman in the FMLN government in El Salvador. And when she first started in this movement, she was 16 years old. 
and she was a member of La Coordinadora as a young youth activist. So for all of you youth out there, she is um, someone to be, uh, you know, looked upon um, as a heroine. She um, is currently uh, uh, leading the Commission for Environment and Climate Change Adaptation and Mitigation, as well as Agriculture. Um, and then there's Avi Lewis. Avi is a quick-witted, bright, lover of justice, scavenger of truth, and understands the true meaning of relationship. Bringing his gifts to the heart of our movement. And so we will be able to get a clip um, of first just that he's gonna, that we're going to share of of his movie that he's just made many of you know that he made the documentary with um, Naomi the take in 2004 which followed Argentina's new movement of worker-run businesses and um, I hope that this is just um, received as even more uh, explosive and shattering um, what what both the challenges are and also the opportunities for the climate justice movement. But before I start, before we run that movie, I just want to share one story um, about El Salvador, a person you'll see actually um, in, the, in this movie. And his name is Bo An Had. You say it. Okay, thank you. Um, so a number of you who, who were with us in El Salvador last year, just about this time, we were taken in a boat, in just a, a humble fisherman's boat, and found out that the, that the man who was driving our boat had been convicted three times in El Salvador for being a bomber fisherman. So what is a bomber fisherman? It's, it's you throw in a bomb and then all the fish come up and then you get fish, big fish or little fish or everything as quickly as possible and then you walk away. But meanwhile, what is, what is left? It's sort of like the ultimate in it, it, sort of an extraction or explosion, right? Which is, okay, we got ours and sort of screw everybody else and screw over the whole ecosystem there. And so he went to, to, to jail for this for three times. And then this is the same man who was, who was leading our boat and what happened. This is the epitome, um, the significance of this amazing movement in, in El Salvador called La Coordinadora. And what happened was is they talked to him and they said, hey, you know, if you do this, and the youth talked to him and said, if you do this, we're not gonna have any fish left in our ecosystem to fish and feed our families. And this man was leading the boat that we were on, you know, uh, the sister organization, he, he led us, and it was the ultimate in transformation. And that's the kind of stuff that we need to be doing. It wasn't just like, oh, we forgave him, you know, like what we do to our prisoners is just sort of throw them out. But this is not a throwaway culture anymore. And that's sort of what is the big shift that we have to, that we have to make. And we are learning from people on the ground who are, who are really making that shift and the people that you'll see in this movie. So if we could run that. Let, let, me, let me just, I have a couple uh, things I have to say first. I apologize. I, I can do it on this okay. one. Let me just open the computer. 
Um, hi, everyone. Um, Kiran, can you bring me up a little bit? Thank you. Um, so this is the this is a 15 minute uh, piece from the film This Changes Everything. This is um, a film that's been in process for four years, and you're the first group of people in the world to see any part of it. Um, <laughs> so, because the film hasn't been launched yet, um, and in fact, we haven't even finished the film, we've finished the editorial part of it, but the whole post-production process hasn't taken place yet. You'll see that there are, you know, archival shots that are still temporary, and there's like watermarks over shots, and um, the narrations are temporary, and the music is temporary. And these are just little disclaimers that from the film world I have to give you. Um, and also, uh, it's important to me personally that nobody record any of this clip, um, because just I, I, I'm very enthusiastic about sharing it everywhere. I didn't make it to keep it hidden, um, but it could actually because the film industry is really paranoid, it could damage our chances of you know, festival releases and stuff like that if anyone's. So just be cool, enjoy it. <laughs> Tell people about it rather than sharing it with them in any way, if that's right. All right, is that cool? Yeah. Can someone sitting next to the projector just remove that little notepad? Yeah. The part of the film that you're going to see, um, I've amalgamated the various parts that we shot in the Bajolempa, and it's a sort of, so you'll, you'll get a little bit of an introduction to the movement, and then we'll be able to explain a lot more about it from the leaders of Estella and, and, and Carolo, who know a lot more about it than I do. And, but you'll see we start at the end of a storyline in Montana, uh, people fighting against uh, coal mines and coal transport for export, and there's just a little handoff, and then you'll hear Naomi's voice, and then it takes you into El Salvador. This is a congresswoman who is a real leader, who has her ear to the ground, listening to the community and letting it filter up. So I wanted to start with Estela Hernandez, congresswoman from the FMLN government, currently, um, currently in the El Salvadorian government. Tell us, how do you do that? Bueno, vamos, hoy sí, ¿verdad? Bueno, buenas tardes, muchas gracias por asistir a esta sesión. Good afternoon and thanks for coming to the session. Bueno, nosotros en la zona del Bajo Lempa, tal como el video lo, lo refleja, somos una organización comunitaria de base, una organización social. We in the Bajo Lempa, as the movie so well shows, are, we are a grassroots movement coming from the base. Sí, hemos venido transformando una situación precaria en condiciones de vida más dignas para la población. We've been 
transforming a very precarious situation mm -hmm. into an, a region which is much, a much more livable environment for our people. Del 2009 hacia atrás, tuvimos en contra al gobierno y todos los proyectos que nosotros hacíamos tenían que hacer con nuestro propio esfuerzo. Por suerte, tuvimos un aliado estratégico, Ecoviva, que nos acompañó desde el inicio. Up until 2009, we were always fighting uh, a government that was in opposition to everything we did, and we had no support from them. Thankfully, we had a sister organization that held our hand and supported us the whole time, which was Ecoviva. Sí, porque esas comunidades se establecieron en tierras que antes eran de terratenientes, y entonces cuando se, se de producto de los acuerdos de paz, se les quitaron esas tierras, ellos siempre esperaron recuperar esas ter esos terrenos. The land we live on used to be large plantations owned by very, very powerful landowners, and as part of the peace process after the Civil War, those lands were redistributed uh, to ex-combatants and returning refugees. And the people who live there, the people who owned those lands before, have always wanted their lands back. They still do. Bueno, cuando demandábamos nosotros este, unidades de salud, escuelas, reparación de calle y que se evitaran las inundaciones, siempre decían de que allí no podíamos seguir viviendo y que para eso habían maquilas y que saliéramos de la zona a buscar trabajo en las maquilas. Y ahí solamente guerrilleros y guerrilleras habían. So when we demanded health clinics, roads, schools, the government would say to us, and, and, and help against flooding, all the flooding that we face, the government would say to us, you shouldn't be living there. That is, that is a not a, a zone that's fit for habitation. We have maquilas for you to work in. You should leave and come work in the assembly plants, in the free trade zones. Bueno, pero nosotros... Eh, queríamos ya establecernos, ¿verdad? Venía la gente de ser repatriada, de estar en la guerra y por fin tenía un lugar donde se podía establecer y plantearse ya una vida. Because they said, you're, you're just, only, the only people who live there are just guerrillas. They're just mm -hmm. rebels. Um, but it was peop everyday people who had mm -hmm. come and repopulated that place and were trying to make their lives again after a very difficult war. Y por suerte es una zona en la que hay una gran biodiversidad de riqueza. Ahora somos área natural protegida, somos reserva de, de biosfera y somos sitio Ramsar. It's an area of great natural biodiversity and we've uh, been able to get it declared a UNESCO biosphere reserve and an internationally recognized Ramsar wetland site. Y de manera participativa hemos construido nuestros planes de desarrollo que tienen que ver principalmente con organización y participación, con producción diversificada, con mejoramiento de infraestructura y con gestión ambiental y gestión de riesgo. It, we, have a, we are official co-managers of that ecosystem under the National Protected Areas Law, and as such, our communities have developed their own environmental projects, diversified agriculture, sustainable fisheries, uh, rest, uh, ecological restoration, reforestation, just some of them. Y cada recurso que hemos logrado canalizar para la zona lo hemos puesto no en función de cumplir el objetivo de un proyecto específico, lo hemos hecho como una contribución a ese proceso de desarrollo de largo plazo que nosotros no hemos planteado en la zona. All the funds, any, any fund that we've received, uh, 
grants that we have received haven't just gone to some very specific project, but rather to a process of organizing our communities for long-term resilience. Entonces, eh, hay eh, visiones muy cortoplacistas en nuestro país, creo que es así en, en todos lados. Nosotros tratamos ahora de incidir en la alcaldía municipal, que es el gobierno local, en que tenga planes de desarrollo más a largo plazo. Our, in our country, as I think it happens in many places, there's a lot of short-term thinking, one-off projects that happen. We instead, we, are, we advocate with our municipal governments, with our local governments, to make sure that they have long-term sustainable development plans, that they're thinking about the future. Y del, del 2009 para acá, que logramos que el FMLN llegara al gobierno después de décadas y décadas, ¿verdad? En las que estuvo eh, gobernado nuestro país primero por militares y después por este, procursores del capitalismo. Con el FMLN vamos nosotros como comunidades organizadas al encuentro con nuestras propuestas que ya están validadas en la zona y que nos han servido para irnos desarrollando, ponerlas al servicio para fortalecer nuestros procesos, pero también para que se vayan irradiando a otras zonas del país. Since 2000, in 2009, we were able to actually win electorally a great victory. The FMLN came to power after years and years and years of struggle, first against uh, the military uh, government, military dictatorships for many years, uh, and then a, a neoliberal pro-capitalist government that was against the people. And now, since 2009, we have a government that is actually interested and listens to us, that we're part of, um, and so we're able to take what we have uh, achieved in our region and really we're able to, to look at how we can adapt and replicate this at a national level. Bueno, lo hacemos así con organización, con participación de la gente y también cuando a nosotros nos delegan a optar por un cargo, lo hacemos en representación como una misión a cumplir para las comunidades. Lo hacemos también siempre, bueno, arraigados con la comunidad. No somos un estrato social distinto, siendo funcionarios seguimos siendo de la comunidad para responder a la comunidad. We do this through organizing, participation. We, as people who are in the government, we don't see ourselves as a class apart. We are not mm -hmm. people who are, you know, who are governing, but rather the people govern us, and we are part of their process. What a concept, planning, planning. <laughs> And, and taking what's happening in the grassroots grass and scaling it up. Um, explain to us, um, Carolo and, and um, Estella, if you would, um, how you see what's happening on the ground um, made into national policy. Okay. Well, one of, the, um, one of the really interesting aspects, and they, um, Avi touched on it in the, um, in the film, was this concept of, um, of local groups, local communities taking care of their, um, their natural resources and being in charge of, um, of policing, you know, basically supplying, uh, supplying wetland rangers and uh, enforcing rules on fishing, on, um, on, on forestry, on protecting mangroves, um, all, of, all of these sorts of activities. 
Let me take a step back and provide a little bit of, of context in which, um, in which this came about. Um, initially, the, uh, the biosphere that, um, that Estella mentioned, it was going to be a um, um, pretty much like a national park type thing, and people were going to be displaced and, um, and pushed out. Uh, but instead of, instead of having that happen, people, people organized, that's gonna be a motif, I think, in, um, in this panel, uh, people organized and said, no, we're not, we're not gonna take it. We think we can do a much better job of taking care of the environment and also um, making a living, providing a dignified livelihood for, uh, for people. So we have a better idea. How about we, um, we take care of this for you? We, we organize at a local level, we supply the, we supply the rangers, we supply the, uh, the enforcement, um, and, and we get to stay. So that, that's how, that's how that, that developed, and this is, uh, this is a great success, and you know, this is a, um, a type of um, activity that's been, um, that you see all around the world, where, where if um, environmental um, controls and regulations are put in, in local hands, um, even, and indigenous um, hands, that there is, there's results um, for, for better environmental protection so, so that's what we, that's what we saw here in um, in the Bajo Lempa and in the, the Bay of Hikilisco, and um, now with uh, with the new administration in power, what we're seeing is an opportunity to replicate um, this sort of uh, community-based enforcement of um, of environmental regulations, and uh, there's a lot of hope that um, that this is really going to lead to some really really excellent results in uh, in reforestation in um, in clean water. Um, and in just better environmental management in general. Estella, would you tell us about, um, about seed saving and, and how that has been an example? Bueno, proyectos que nosotros fuimos desarrollando desde la zona del Bajo Lempa. Cuando tuvimos la oportunidad de hablar ya con nuestros ministros, verdad, que ya no teníamos que hacer... 30, 40 marchas para entregarles una cartita que ni siquiera la recibían. So one of the projects that we came up with when we went and spoke to our ministers, our legislators, because, uh, you know, before we would have to do, say, 30 or 40 marches before anyone would even listen to us <laughs> in the government. Now we can actually just talk to them. Sí. Explicamos eh, principalmente al Ministerio de Agricultura cómo es que funcionaba nuestro programa de producción agrícola diversificado que teníamos ahí en la zona. We explained to the new Minister of Agriculture under the new government uh, how we'd been working on diversified agriculture with local farmers. Se dio cuenta que teníamos nosotros capacidad técnica, que teníamos nosotros capacidad de planificación y que teníamos capacidad de comercialización. The minister realized that we had technical capacity, we had planning capacity, and we had the capacity to be able to create a product that was viable for sale. Y un banco de semillas también que fuimos nosotros recuperando nuestro germoplasma o nuestra semilla eh, nacional, semilla nativa, que también ya se había perdido. He also saw that we had a seed bank. We've been collecting and saving our native, natural, local mm. seeds that had been being lost through industrial agriculture. 
Entonces, él nos propuso producir semilla para poder entregar a los agricultores de todo nuestro país. So he proposed that we begin producing seed that would be distributed to farmers throughout our country. Y de inmediato dijimos sí. And we said yes, <laughs> immediately. Entonces, después nos dimos cuenta que era una responsabilidad enorme y que se necesitaba de tener varias condiciones. Afterwards, sí. we realized what a huge responsibility we'd taken on and we realized we needed to, some, to work on some of the conditions that would get us there. Sin embargo, logramos nosotros desplazar al único proveedor de semilla que se tenía en nuestro país, como lo era la Monsantos, negocio que antes había sido de un expresidente de la República del de Salvador, Cristiani Burkar. We managed to displace the monopoly, the only seed producer that was producing seeds in El Salvador, which was the Cristiani Burkard Corporation, a subsidiary of Monsanto, owned by an, one of our ex-presidents in the right wing. Un negocio que lo único que hacía era extraer la riqueza de nuestro país, porque ni siquiera era semilla que realmente nos permitía a nosotros producir el maíz de consumo. Is, uh, all this company did, the, this Monsanto company did, was extract the wealth of our country because the seed they produced wasn't even a seed that was fit for consumption. Entonces ahora en la zona del Bajo Lempa, en Jiquilisco, se produce el 60% de la semilla que se necesita para abastecer a todos los productores de nuestro país y el otro 40% en otras cooperativas de nuestro país. So currently, in the Lower Lempa region, our cooperatives and our farmers are producing 60% of the seeds needed uh, to supply our entire country's farmers, and the other 40% is being produced by other cooperatives in other regions. Bueno, hemos nosotros comenzado con la producción de semilla nacional y ya estamos bien en un porcentaje de cerca del 25% de producción de semilla Santa Rosa, que es una semilla nativa. 25% of our seeds now that we're producing are a, the Santa Rosa variety, which is our own native seed. This Por supuesto que la meta big, big es big. sacar toda la semilla híbrida y quedarnos con nuestra semilla que todavía la conservamos en nuestro país. Our goal is that 100% of our production will be native seeds and we will no longer be using hybrid seeds in our country. Bueno, también este, la producción diversificada, porque toda nuestra producción estaba basada en el monocultivo. Salimos de producir algodón y luego caña de azúcar, que ya en el video vemos que la práctica de esta producción es altamente eh, letal para la vida, para la biodiversidad, eh, contamina nuestros recursos hídricos. Entonces, hay ahora un programa que se llama PAF, el Programa de Agricultura Familiar, que se plantea la diversificación agrícola y atender con, con paquetes tecnológicos y con asistencia técnica desde la agricultura de subsistencia hasta la agricultura que nos permite hacer ya los encadenamientos productivos. And another piece of this is the diversification of our agriculture. We are a country that has depended on monocropping. First it was cotton, 
more recently, sugarcane, in the video you saw the burning of the sugarcane and how destructive, how lethal it is. It's lethal for people and it's lethal for our water. It's destroying our ecosystems. And so we now, as a, a national government, we have the Family Agriculture Plan, uh, which is about diversifying our crops, not just for subsistence farmers, both for subsistence and nutrition, but also for producing products that then can be uh, value added and uh, you know are for are for sale as well. Y un dato más que ya tenemos un departamento de agricultura orgánica en el Ministerio de Agricultura y Ganadería. Wow. And we have a new department of organic agriculture within our ministry for the first time. <laughs> you wanted to say something and then we'll open up to, to questions from the audience. Well, um, first of all, I, I think it's, I just want to take this a little bit more big picture because you see the extraordinary uh, successes of this movement. And the reason I went there um, and the reason having profiling this movement in the film is one of the best things I've ever done in my life is because I think and you see this all over the world. This movement isn't unique, but this is a, a rare confluence of the factors that humanity needs to learn. So I think there are a number of things going on in the Lower Lempa that make this movement a kind of possible guides to, to a better future um, for us as human beings. First of all, um, they understand uh, the very subtle art of starting over. This is a community of exiles. There are people who were sent into exile during the Civil War, not all combatants, but just um, FMLN supportive communities um, who were dispersed to countries around and other parts of El Salvador. And they, when they returned to the country after the war, they squatted this land because the land that they were given was crap. And having gone into exile and for 10 years learned to start over in exile, creating in many cases collective communities, farming, and, and, and finding new ways to adapt to a new environment in exile together in communal ways. They then came home collectively, organized to find better land than the crap land that they were given. And then they had to start over again in a place in the country that they were not from, many of them. Making alliances with people like Estella's father who is one of the founders of the movement, who had been there in that place and had worked in, under the industrial agricultural system. They immediately, well not immediately, but in the first phase, actually made common cause with people who had been on the other side of the Civil War. Because what they started to understand, and I, I won't bore you with the details, because actually this movement was sort of built as a movement around dam management, which I find kind of sexy. Um, <laughs> but they were being flooded out by the oligarchs who controlled the, the, the hydrological system in the city. And it brought together people at the base who had been on opposite sides of the Civil War. So they started again in human terms in a post-conflict society, reaching out to people who had been stranded on the other side of, the, of that great ideological divide. And then they had to build from, from the start. And as Estella says in the film, you know, they started repairing roads, and then they realized they were confronting the climate crisis. And that, you know, they needed to think a lot bigger. Which brings me to the second thing I think is really significant about this movement, 
It's a movement that understands that the root of the climate crisis is the economic system itself, the extractive mindset which sees everything, people, resources, whole countries as commodities from which value is to be extracted. And that the fight against the climate crisis is a, fight, is a broader fight for social justice. That it has to do with housing and education, decent jobs that people can actually, dealing with inequality is an absolute precondition for dealing with the climate crisis globally. So this movement understands that it's a fully holistic battle that has to be enjoined. And they've been masterful at um, organizing from the roots. Because actually, when you really zoom out, Democracy is the climate response that we need. You see participatory democracy at the village level being used to build power in communities that gets implemented in better healthcare, in better infrastructure, in better work, in management of resources. Those are climate responses. Those are climate responses that we need to understand globally. And where you see, and, and again, where you see it's done in such a simple, practical, and effective way is implementing the idea that we need to live within natural limits. Because the people who live in constant relationship with nature and, and natural resources will never fuck it up for the future generations. They, they know that they need to rely on those resources and they will preserve them. And when they build the power locally and democratically to control those resources, those resources end up fueling that society in a sustainable and long-term way. And so you see the natural policing of resources and the community control of resources, which is something that you know, our friends and allies in the tar sands uh, up in, in, in Canada, where we're from, uh, understand very well as well. They've been attempting to protect the natural resources of that area, which are extremely rich for generations. And in order to, to, to continue to do that, they need community control over land. So you know, you saw Clayton uh, Thomas Mueller speak so powerfully this morning uh, in the plenary about people's, the indigenous people's uh, land rights being the last best hope for all of us to embed this idea of living within natural limits on, on a global scale. And in El Salvador, in this movement, you see that uh, brilliantly. And then what's really powerful for me, um, I happen to come from a political family in, in Canada. And my dad was, and my grandpa were uh, founders of, of our left-wing political party. And by the time I reached voting age, there wasn't really much left in, in that system. And I mean, forget about the American political system. Um, where, where the corruption and the takeover, the ideological capture of your political class is so complete that, you know, we talk a lot about the paralysis of the U.S. Congress, but it's, that's just a symptom of the fact that you have politicians who are effectively owned by business interests. And there's, and there, and there's no real hope of change coming from there. Well, I'm sitting here on this panel with a national legislator <laughs> from a Central American country who has achieved something which we can't even conceive of in this part of the hemisphere, which is grassroots movements, building local power, and then having the courage and the vision to engage directly with a relatively corrupt political system and manifest their political power, engage with party politics, engage with legislative politics, and scale up their local solutions to the national level. I mean, this is something that, you know, we have to overcome generations of cynicism to, to actually think about doing in our countries uh, in the North. But, but it actually needs to be done. 
when we look at the, what science requires that we do to respond to the climate crisis, to reduce global greenhouse gas emissions by 8 to 10% a year, which is what the top climate scientists are saying, it can't be done without government. It can't be done without the power of the state. But the state is unresponsive to people's actual interests in our current configurations. And so we need to build power locally and then actually have the guts to take it national. And that's why I think these people are just, you know, doing stuff that needs a lot more attention uh, because it reaches deep into the human, the, the human future. If we can see and model more social movements on, on, on these central recognitions, that's where I think we have some hope. So I just want to tell you that there's a sign-up sheet going around. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about Echo Viva, if you'd like to go down to El Salvador, I've been myself like six times. These people are family to me and have given me the inspiration. And, the, um, and, and they teach me how to better organize at home. So let's open it up to questions. Um, let's start here, and we'll go around. That mic is off. There's a little red button on the bottom. Just turn it on. There's, there's a little power button right on the bottom. Hold it down. Hello? That's illuminated. Um, welcome to the United States and to California. Um, I don't think that the irony should be lost that a country that is so small has so much to teach a country that is so large. So thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you that if, if you thought that there are specific um, instances or symptoms in your country that make it specific, or are there lessons that we can learn in the United States and more specifically in West African countries? My family is from Sierra Leone, which also was displaced from a civil war that you know about. But is this a model that you believe is congruent um, with not only small communities in the United States, but a worldwide model as well? Yo creo que con la globalización los problemas son iguales, similares a los que vivimos en todos lados, inclusive en países en desarrollo como en países desarrollados. With globalization, I believe, with, I believe that the problems that we see are pro, uh, in our country are problems that we see everywhere, whether your country is, you know, in development or considered developed. Sí, bueno, la geopolítica dominante está planteada para el mundo. The dominant political paradigm dominates the world right now. Entonces, el problema con el neoliberalismo, con el capitalismo, es el que nos ha llevado a esas grandes desigualdades sociales. Neoliberalism and capitalism is what has created great social inequality. Entonces, necesitamos ir construyendo poder, ¿verdad? Desde, desde las comunidades, desde la base, ya no, o sea, no es posible, pues, que grandes mayorías, ¿verdad? Tengamos que este, mantener a pequeñas minorías. 
we have to organize from the base because it's no longer acceptable that the great majority works to support a very small minority. Yo creo que la experiencia que nosotros tenemos en el Bajo Lempa es válida para cualquier país del mundo en el sentido que el poder radica en la base, la participación de la gente es vital, es necesario, nadie más nos va a ir a, a, a organizar, nadie más nos va a ir a decir qué es lo que debemos hacer, somos nosotros mismos los que debemos realmente asumir el compromiso de transformar nuestra realidad. Solo cuando nosotros tomamos esa decisión es que podemos realmente trascender. I believe that our experience in the Lower Lampa is something that can teach other parts of the world because what we've learned is that power is built from the base. Porque no one is going to come to organize us. No one is going to come to save us. We must organize ourselves and when we make that commitment, things change. Cuando nosotros Vimos esa experiencia en Katrina, la gente que sufrió ese impacto no estaba ahí, eran voluntarios, era gente de otro lugar que les estaba reconstruyendo el lugar y hasta que el lugar estuviera reconstruido iban a regresar, eso para nosotros era o sea, difícil creer pues que se puede reconstruir un lugar con gente que no sea la que vivió realmente la problemática. When we went to New Orleans after Katrina, we were shocked to see that the people we met there who were rebuilding were volunteers and they weren't from there. They weren't the people who had been living there. The people who were living there weren't there and they weren't going to come back until it was rebuilt. And we thought to ourselves, how can it be that you, you, know, you can rebuild a place if you didn't live there, you didn't know what it was like? It didn't make sense to us. So I, I actually want to, want to address, address your question also. Um, you know, in a, in, a, in a more precise and very, very specific instance. So um, last year, my colleague um, Nathan Estela and Yael over here, uh, and another colleague named from El Salvador, Walberto, they traveled to New York uh, to attend a, a, a workshop um, and meet with, uh, with activists who'd been organizing in the, in the wake of, um, of Hurricane Sandy and um, shared best practices best practices around, um, around early warning, best practices around checking in on your neighbors to make sure that, that they're okay, um, you know, and, um, and on rebuilding. So, so it's about these, these sorts of cooperations that can be, that can be built. Um, and yeah, so, I've, so yes, uh, a big country like the US has a lot to learn from, uh, from a smaller country like, like El Salvador because there, there are a set of best practices there. The hurricane, the last hurricane that hit in El Salvador, in other parts of um, San Salvador and El Salvador, that um, it was not organized by La Cordendora, many people died, mm. including from, you know, mudslides that, that suffocated people to death. And not one person died in the place that um, La Cordendora organized, because they know each other. I mean, it goes, you know, we're, Nina was talking about relationships. That's at the, at the heart, really at the heart of how um, this organ, organizi organizing works on the ground. Are we there? Okay. Um, I actually am one of those 
strangers from afar that went down and cleaned up after Katrina. I was down there for about four and a half months. And I say that now not to toot my own horn, but because it's it's perfect uh, precursor to what I was going to mention. I'm an environmental scientist, and I also decided I needed to go become a Buddhist chaplain because I figured a lot of shit's going down, and we should learn how to get along. Um, and... Um, one of the things I noticed, um, and I swear to God I'd be making this reference even if her uh, husband wasn't in the room, I often refer to the shock doctrine, and the other side of that coin is when things get really, really chaotic, it also opens up for, for a way to go in. So we actually formed a, um, an NGO when we were down there called Burners Without Borders. It was a bunch of crazy Burning Man people. And we were able to scamper around like rats and get way more done before noon than the Army Corps could do you know, in the week. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm somewhat looking for either cautionary tales or similar tales or whatever. Have you noticed, like, when things really, really get bad, that, that creates openings? Um, are there cautions around that um, from, from anybody on the panel, I guess? Um, you'll be you'll be pleased to find the subject directly addressed by Naomi's entire book, um, because yeah, I mean the, the 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 she's left now, so I feel comfortable speaking on behalf of the project. Um, the um, the the thesis of this changes everything is that the climate crisis uh, is an opportunity uh, to reinvent all of our systems. In fact, it's forcing us to do so. Everything is going to change. It's, we're either going to, our physical world will be transformed, and we will either go into a very dark future of disaster capitalism, the armed lifeboat future, where the 1% and more importantly, the 0.1% of the 1% simply surround themselves by higher and higher walls, uh, and the rest of us enter a really chaotic and brutal future. Or we'll actually find common cause in confronting the root causes of, of this crisis. And, it, and, and we have to have, you know, the, we, we have to have the courage to, to seize this disastrous moment as an opportunity. Naomi wrote an entire book called The Shock Doctrine, which is about how the neoliberal project has advanced in leaps and bounds in moments of crisis, whether created or natural. Um, and we're not advancing that kind of disaster opportunism. Those were disasters used as opportunities to consolidate power and to consolidate wealth. And we're talking about disasters as an opportunity to disperse and decentralize power and to redistribute wealth. And, and, and that's why Naomi talks about not a shock doctrine, but a people's shock. And I think the climate crisis uh, is, is, you know, the, the first name of, of the film, the working title of the film was The Message. Because as Naomi writes so beautifully in the book, the climate crisis is not another issue like healthcare and taxes. It's a message coming from our home telling us that we need a new way of sharing the resources on this planet, sharing the very atmosphere itself in a, in a more equitable way. So I think the challenge for us is to hear what this crisis is telling us, um, which is that we are just at the very last moment for having the kind of social, political, economic transformations that we need to respond collectively to this collective crisis. And I think, you know, you do see in disaster, and I mean, as a journalist, I've spent too much of my life in post-disaster zones, in, you know, in New Orleans uh, uh, after Katrina, but also after the Deepwater Horizon disaster, um, which was such a shocking revisiting of an even more explicitly man-made disaster in that very place which was still traumatized from a few years before. And, 
and, and, right, and now you see, finally, the word is getting out about the disappearance of the Louisiana coastline and the effect that the oil and gas sector has had on that part of the world for so long. You do see extraordinary human moments in disaster. We, we see extraordinary feats of cooperation and of courage and of solidarity. What you see in places that are organized, like in the Bajolempa, is you actually see the, the, the building that's been done there where people don't just save each other as individual acts of heroism, but people come together as societies. People come together consciously as intentional communities together, having rehearsed, as you saw in the film clip, how to deal with the moment when it comes. Not just in the actual disaster response, but in the entire social fabric. So, so yes, this is our moment. And how we respond is everything. I don't know. Hello. Um, there's this beautiful thing that we witnessed years ago, which were that young people came together and ride their bikes into um, a place called Ciudad Romero because Oscar Romero was murdered by the um, by the National Guard, and so that's sort of the heart of um, of, of this where this movement's located. And young people um, have a radio station. That's what they decided that they want to do as part of the disaster preparedness. And there's a lot of music and great music and dancing and, and fun. And then there's also these young people who have like once a week started to teach their parents and grandparents, um, they have literacy teaching on the radio for their, grand, for their parents and their grandparents. So this is sort of like, on, if any of you know, on like the Cuban method. So it's exactly what, what, um, what Avi was saying, is that yes, it comes from this, this need to deal with a disaster at the moment, but then what's built from that? Um, and that's just one of the examples, but you saw some of the others, and, and, and I've heard from, from Estella um, how it's really just blossomed into, this, into a social movement. Um, who was next? Okay. No. Nope. And then nope. this man over here. It's okay. The mic is fine. He's just got to bring it up at the floor. Oh, yeah. Hello? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I've spent years doing the ecological footprint, kind of calculating our individual consumption to the physical area that you occupy, and you know how many worlds does that take in order to meet your consumption? So I'm particularly struck by the fact that here we are at Bioneers, when what we do as individuals is what's impacting her and her country and her peoples today. That, I think that was first what struck me. Um, I commit a lot of uh, my day to helping organize individuals around what are main issues that, that they're particularly interested in focusing on and how do they organize, how do they make um, changes in uh, decision makers and how do they get on boards to help make decisions. And I wanted to ask, how did she make the transition from where she was in the field to where she is now, was that difficult, easy? You know, how do you reach across and, and work and collaborate it at that level?
prácticamente utilizamos el mismo mecanismo de, de comunicación que, que siempre nos funcionó en la zona del Bajo Lempa. Son 86 comunidades ahí en la zona y cada una tiene que formar parte de un grupo local. O sea que son alrededor de 8 a 10 comunidades que forman un grupo local. So, you know, we still use the same mechanisms of communication with the people that we always have. So, to give an example, you know, our organization is made up of 86 communities in the Lower Lampa, and each, uh, and those 86 communities are organized into uh, councils or, or local groups. There's about 8 to 10 communities represented in each of these local groups. Entonces, ahí permanentemente se está discutiendo la problemática y las alternativas, cuáles pueden ser las propuestas de solución. Those groups are where people come together to discuss what are, what are our problems and what are we going to do about them, what are the solutions we can come up with, how are we going to organize. Entonces, yo sigo manteniendo una comunicación bastante permanente con la organización. So I have maintained a continuous communication with the organization on the ground. Por supuesto que ya no soy parte de la junta directiva ni de una estructura, digamos, formalmente dentro de la organización. Of course, I'm no longer on the board. I'm not, uh, you know, in the formal leadership structure anymore. Pero la agenda eh, legislativa, yo estoy en la Comisión de Ambiente y Cambio Climático, que son todos los temas ambientales y en la Comisión Agropecuaria, que tiene que ver con la producción de, de alimentos. But my role in the legislature, I'm on the Climate Change and Environment Commission, which deals with all the environmental issues of our country, mm -hmm. and on the Agriculture, Livestock, and Fisheries Commission, which is about how we produce our food. Entonces, este... Es con ellos que, que en mi caso discuto cuáles van a ser los temas que vamos a estar viendo también en la comisión, en las dos comisiones. So I go and I talk to the folks in the local groups and ask them about what they think we should be talking about in those commissions. Entonces tenemos en la comisión de ambiente la ley general de agua en discusión, tenemos ley contra la minería, eh, tenemos ley de gestión de riesgo, y tenemos también en discusión una ley para prohibir aquellos productos altamente tóxicos que se utilizan en la agricultura. So we are currently discussing four uh, proposed laws in the Environment and Climate Change Commission, a general water law, which will be the first time there'll ever be a water law in El Salvador, a law um, against mining, to ban mining, A, a law that will regulate toxic chemicals. Y bueno, en la gestión de riesgo. And a disaster prevention law. Sí, porque la ley que tenemos actualmente es una ley que solamente aborda post-desaster, o sea, la emergencia, no tiene un enfoque de prevención. Our current law only is about disaster response. It doesn't have a prevention focus. We need to change that. I just wanted to observe that, as is her way, Estella answered a personal question with a, with a global response. <laughs> but as I've spent many hours interviewing her, I just let me redirect, if you don't mind. <laughs> but I never let her off the hook that easily. <laughs> 
siempre es así, pero yo no le dejo. Solo dejarlo así. The last time I saw you was your first day in Parliament, which is like two years ago. So we saw in the, in the film clip a portrait of someone who was, to put it mildly, a reluctant politician. So how's it going? <laughs> what is it like? I mean, it, it's like that day you were talking, you were looking at these people who have blood on their hands from the war, that you have to shake those hands, you know? So, now you're working with these bastards. <laughs> But how are you feeling? But how, honestly, how has the experience of becoming Pero a politician been for you personally? Personally. It's pretty complicated. Muy, muy, muy difícil, porque ahí está, pues, eh, la representación de la oligarquía de nuestro país. It's pretty hard, because, of course, who's represented in there are, is the oligarchy of our country. Y quizás lo más difícil es escuchar cómo ellos defienden ese sistema capitalista. And what's really hard is sitting there and listening to how they defend the capitalist system. Entonces, este, para mí es lo más complicado tratar de tener un, un vocabulario diplomático. It's very hard to learn to have a very a diplomatic vocabulary. Sí. Porque fuera bueno decir las cosas así como las dice, ¿verdad, Avi? I, I, I would never be able to say something like what Avi just said, for example. Pero es... Entonces estamos allí, por ejemplo, discutiendo la ley en la Comisión Agropecuaria de Ley de Soberanía y Seguridad Alimentaria. So, for example, I'll be in the Agricultural and Livestock Fisheries Commission talking about uh, the new proposed law on food sovereignty. Entonces, Arena quiere una ley que solamente sea ley de, segu de seguridad alimentaria. And Arena, which is the right-wing party, those folks, all they want to talk about is food security. They are not interested in food sovereignty. Entonces, no quieren la soberanía alimentaria, ¿verdad? Entonces, ellos siempre están trabajando por leyes que cuando uno la revisa, cómo eso se va a implementar, realmente no tiene absolutamente nada de contenido. So they're, you know, they're always, you know, proposing laws that once you actually look into them, don't really have any content. Entonces, eh, lo más difícil es eso, pues, en tratar de mantener una posición y una cordura en la discusión, ¿verdad?, que nos permita ir convenciendo con argumentos. What's challenging is to maintain a disposition of cordiality in the discussion that allows us to make our argument in a way that, they, that can be heard. Entonces... Quizás es de lo más difícil, pero también sí eh, siento que es un peldaño, digamos, al que accesan las comunidades, porque son los mismos temas que abordamos en la comunidad 
que ahora lo tenemos donde se produce la política pública. But we see this as a, a stairway or a, a step mm -hmm. towards changing public policy and really having our communities be heard. Sí, que también para estos diputados es chocante para ellos. Tan chocante para mí es escucharles a ellos como para ellos que alguien de una comunidad tenga el mismo rango que ellos tienen ahí. If you think it's hard for me to listen to them, imagine how they feel. As someone like me, who's from a little a rural village, has the same rank, the same status that they do. This is wonderful. Hi, I'm Jeff Ritterman. I'm from Richmond, California, just over the bridge. And uh, we're uh, home to the second biggest oil refinery, a Chevron refinery in the States. So we share a lot of these struggles against uh, corporate extractors and polluters. Uh, my partner Vivian and I had the honor of being invited to the Salvadoran presidential inauguration. And what everyone needs to know is 2FML and Comandantes are president and vice president, but by 6,000 votes out of many million. So by the slimmest of margins. So Ecuador sends Rafael Correa and Bolivia sends Evo Corrales and the United States sends who? The head of the Small Business Administration to the inauguration, a slap in the face. El Salvador's small business. In 1980, it was a million dollars a day military aid at the same time. They were killing a thousand a month. They're 50 times smaller than us. That's 50,000 a month. That's what we lost in the entire Vietnam War. Just to go to this seed issue, it's a much bigger issue because Obama was withholding $300 million of aid unless the Salvadorans would buy their seeds from Monsanto. Now, you have to understand how insane this is because not only are the seeds not adapted to Salvadoran soil or climate, the only thing about the seeds that's an advantage is they're resistant to Roundup. The Salvadorans had already banned Roundup is another thing that nobody knows. El Salvador now is the leading country for kidney disease fatality in the world. And uh, Nicaragua and Honduras in the top 10. And they think it's from Roundup. So here you have Obama saying, buy GM seeds, Roundup resistant, or we don't give 300 million in aid. And the Salvadorans saying, hey, maybe this is what's killing our farmers' kidneys. So it's a huge story. And actually, our CDC went to bat for the Obama administration earlier to prevent the Salvadorans from making chronic kidney disease of unknown etiology a big issue in the Americas. Now, finally, everyone is agreeing about this. But I mean, I'm a doctor. I'm a retired doctor. I never heard about this. No doctors here have heard about this. This is a scandal, and this is part of what's happening. So if we could give a million dollars a day to them when they're killing, can't we do something now 
to help them when they're in power by 6,000 votes, you know, rather than withhold the seeds, you know, the money. So we, they stood firm and we gave up the money eventually. Carollo? Yeah, I, I actually wanted to touch on... Go ahead. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead, Jeff. I mean, you know, okay. you know the story. Okay, well, I'm, I'm Jeff Hez, and I'm, I'm the chair of Echo Viva, and I've had the privilege of working with the Coordinadora for the last 15 years. And for me, it's been really exciting and really uplifting to see what a community could do, to see what, as was mentioned, teenagers came in on their bikes and set up a radio station. When they had a tropical storm three years ago and a huge flooding, the government sent the, sent the uh, soldiers down, and they were under the control of this, this young man who had been the, uh, in charge of the radio station, Mario, who's 29 years old, is telling the troops where they need to go, where the lowlands are, where the boats are, and where the people are going to be on their roofs. So it was an example of really uh, the community taking, taking over and taking charge. There are things you can do. Uh, we have delegations, and we go down and we get to visit with the communities. So I encourage you to check out Echo Viva, and we can take you down there. And we also help support their internal network, their youth building program. And I just wanted to say, uh, we were down with a delegation, and, and uh, Lisa was with us. And we went in and saw Estella shortly after she got in the legislature. And we walked in, and he said, well, what have you learned? And she looked at us and she said, I've learned not to say what I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was said it pretty succinctly. Anyway, it's really exciting. And we urge you to join us, Echo Viva, and seeing what our partners can do. We think we have a collaborative relationship where we support what they do. We call it a South-North relationship. So please join us, help support us, and help us support them. And like we talk about the Bioneers, it's all connected. And what we see in El Salvador, and I think what Avi's film will show, is we're connected to them, we're connected to the progress, and we have a lot to learn from them. So thank you. One of the things that, one of the things that I want to respond to, um, to the, the issue that you raised in talking about SEED and the, um, the aid package, well, you, you mentioned that the $277 million aid package did go through because the the people of El Salvador and, and um, uh, the political powers that, that, that are there right now, they said, no, look, this is a seed procurement program that's working, that's helping with poverty alleviation in, in, uh, in our rural communities. This is working. And I think that it also exposed a certain degree of, um, of hypocrisy. At the same time, here in the US, we're saying, oh, this is so terrible, these uh, child migrants, uh, Pouring into over over the border and into the into the U.S., those those poor poor people aren't they horrible? Um, and at the same time, pulling attempting to pull the rug from under their feet on a social and economic program that's working, that's that that's um, contributing to uh, uh, eliminating these push factors that are driving people away from from home. So um, so I'm I'm really proud that we. Uh, we played a role in um, in working on on this issue, and in collaborating with the uh, Mangrove Association to um, to expose this and um, and really help help fight against this um, this really misguided uh, policy by by the U.S.
let me just let me just throw one more fact on the pile because before we get before we rest on our laurels too much, and I think Estella will back me up on this one, the two hundred seventy-seven million dollar aid package is was the subject of that scene with the president's technical secretary talking about the new round of millennial fund investment from the United States, which the people in the Baja Alempa now have to have a whole other struggle to make sure that it's not used for big hotels and turning their beautiful coastline into an industrial tourist destination. So, you know, there's nothing scarier in the world than people arriving on boats and saying, we're from America, we're here to help. <laughs> um, and, and, and <laughs> so, 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 the, so the, that's the, the end of that story is not yet written, but there will be another titanic struggle in the Lower Lempa to make sure that that money is not used to pave the beaches of that beautiful bay. Yeah. We have maybe one yeah. more question. Just a real quick one. I'm wondering um, how many of your colleagues feel the same way you do? How much of a minority are you? Bueno, ya el, el Congreso o la Asamblea se integra por 84 diputados en total. The Congress or Parliament is made up of 84 uh, legislators. De esos 84, como FMLN, somos 31. Of the 84, 31 of us are from the FMLN. El resto está en los partidos de derecha, que entre ellos el que tiene más es el Partido Arena. Tiene 27 diputados. The other uh, legislators are from the right-wing parties. The one with the most power is Arena, which has 27 legislators. El resto de los diputados de partidos chiquititos, como tampoco tienen un proyecto político, eh, lo que hacen es tratar de conseguir prebendas para dar los votos, ya sea a Arena o al FMLN. The other political parties, as they, you know, they don't have kind of, uh, as much power or long-term political project, their role, they really are trying to essentially exchange favors for votes. So they're always essentially selling their vote to either Arena or the FMLN. Entonces, a pesar de ser nosotros como FMLN minoría, lo que hacemos es acompañarnos de las organizaciones. Hay un espacio a los que pueden eh, participar durante se está desarrollando una comisión, las comunidades. Entonces, nosotros estamos defendiendo en la comisión y las comunidades manifestándose y presionando a los diputados de derecha. So even though we're a minority in the legislature, we draw on civil society to support us. So we make sure that people are there protesting, for example, when the right wing tries to, to pass a law that we don't like. So in the, and when we're in the commissions, there's a space for civil society participation, and we make sure that seat is full. One last word from each of you. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have anything more to say. Just wanted to thank you all for coming and uh, learning about this extraordinary movement that we're, we've been connected to. The thing that you haven't heard yet about Echo Viva is that it's the one of the very, very few truly, I, I would describe as anti-colonial um, NGO efforts. It's an organization that provides support without any pressure or direction. It is fully led by the movement it supports and it sees its role simply as supporting. And the notion of solidarity rather than charity works really well when the solidarity comes with some cash. 
um, and that cash has no strings. So I cannot emphasize uh, how important it is to support Echo Viva. It's a unique organization in my experience, supporting a unique movement. Thank you. And uh, one way that you, that you could show support is by coming with us to, uh, to El Salvador and seeing for yourself and, and visiting some of the folks that, that you saw in the, um, in the film. And um, I don't know, can, can we visit you in Congress? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we have, we have information on, uh, on an upcoming trip in, uh, in March, and we've got, a, we've got a flyer out on the table. And uh, please, please take it. Please consider visit our website, um, echo-viva.org. In a couple of months, I think we're going to drop the hyphen. We finally secured the domain name. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, it's echo-viva.org. Bueno, yo agradecer nuevamente a Ecoviva por haber organizado esto, también a la conferencia que nos haya dado el espacio, decirles que en un primer gobierno nosotros logramos realmente en un gobierno de transición sentar bases. So I want to thank Ecoviva for organizing this panel and Bioneers for giving us this space. I want to explain too that in our the first government and beginning in 2009 was a transition government, and that's where we just began really getting our act together, getting the base together for making change. Claro que son muchos proyectos que nosotros queremos desmontar, pero ustedes saben todo el poder económico que hay detrás de esos proyectos. There are, there are many projects from the previous administrations that we are trying to disassemble. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine how hard that is because the powers that put those projects in place are still very much alive. Paramos la minería que la manejaba Pacific Ring. But we, we've done it. We've stopped the mining projects that were sponsored by Pacific Rim in our country. También este, iniciamos un proceso para conocer los, los contratos de Enel Power, que explotaban el, el, la geotermia en nuestro país. Es una empresa estadounidense, entiendo yo. We also have been investigating and putting a stop to the projects mm -hmm. of Enel Power, which is, a, I understand, to be a U.S. corporation that has been exploiting geothermal energy in our country. Sí. Entonces, este, estamos nosotros eh, tratando de que eso, esos proyectos que ya paramos realmente los logremos detener y en este próximo gobierno que apenas tiene un poquito más de 100 días es tratar de profundizar los cambios. So, yeah, our, our challenge is to make sure that these projects stay stopped now that we've stopped them. Um, and under our new government, which just came to power 100 days ago, uh, we really have a chance um, to deepen the changes we've already made and make many more positive changes. Bueno, solo desde el bajo lempa no podemos, pero estamos llegando al gobierno no para acomodarnos al sistema, sino para transformar el sistema, pero también necesitamos el apoyo de cada uno de ustedes en este esfuerzo. We have, we have come to power not just from the bajo lempa, but from the entire country, not to accommodate ourselves to the political system, but rather to transform it. And in this, we need your support. I, 
I just want to thank Estella for coming up, taking um, her her time because you know that she must be so busy um, in the legislature. So thank you so much, Estella, for coming and joining us. Thank you, Carollo, and thank you, Avi, for making a beautiful film that we can't wait to see the whole thing of. Thank you, Bioneers.